the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. He desires to have a relationship with us so much that he removed the barrier of our sin which caused separation so that we can have a relationship with Almighty, All-Holy God. What is it that John 3.16 says? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That's what Pastor Leighton Sheely is essentially talking about as he takes us through this study in the book of Colossians, a New Testament book. If you're not familiar with the Bible, it's written by the Apostle Paul. And Pastor Leighton Sheely, our teacher, is the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. The word in the original language that's translated afflictions here refers to the struggles or the pressures of life. It's never used in the New Testament for the sacrificial sufferings of Christ Jesus. It's the sufferings that happen in life. And so Paul is making the point here that a Christian is going to endure the sufferings that Christ would be enduring if Christ was still physically present in this world. Remember what Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master? If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Suffering is part of the calling of being a Christian. Now today, most people view pain and suffering as a curse, and they resent it when it invades their life, and they make every effort to avoid it. But this kind of suffering should be a cause for rejoicing because it does not mean that Christ and his kingdom is losing ground, but rather that he is gaining. You see, Paul saw Christian suffering as part of the process of toppling this present evil age. The suffering of Christians is not senseless, it's not meaningless, but it has meaning and purpose in the grand scheme of things. Paul's suffering is connected not mediatorially, but ministerially to his ministry of preaching the gospel to a world that is hostile to the gospel. Verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. He refers to stewardship, which is a position of responsibility. It's an office. It's also a task that God appointed Paul to this position for the benefit of the entire church, of which the Colossians were a part, and it was God's commission. Paul wrote to the Galatians, Paul, an apostle, sent neither by human commission nor from human authorities, but through Christ Jesus and God the Father. See, no human commissioned Paul and no human authority called him. It was Christ himself who spoke with him. He and the other apostles were called by Christ to be apostles, and, and they answer directly to Christ as their final authority. Now, the task that God had given him was to make the Word of God fully known, to fully proclaim the message. Now, that not only 
involves the geographical extension. We know that Paul traveled across much of the Roman Empire, much of the world, but also the thoroughness with which it was done. The message in full, the full gospel. Making God's word fully known meant revealing the mystery which has been hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so he calls it a mystery or a secret. And this secret or mystery is defined by J.A. Robinson as something that could not be known by men except by divine revelation, but that though once hidden has now been revealed in Christ and is to be proclaimed to all who have ears that they may hear it. Lightfoot said it's a truth that was once hidden, but is now revealed. So what is this mystery? What is this secret? Well, Paul gave us the answer in Ephesians chapter 3, another one of the prison epistles. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now, it was not a new revelation that God would save Gentiles. That's referenced in the Old Testament multiple places, but that he would dwell in them and deal with them on the same basis was a new revelation. Warren Wiersbe wrote, God called the nation of Israel to be his people. He gave them his law, including the priesthood and sacrifices. He gave them a wonderful land. He promised them a king who would one day establish a glorious kingdom and fulfill the many promises made to Abraham and David. The Old Testament prophets wrote about a Messiah who would suffer and a Messiah who would reign. They could not explain the seeming contradiction. They did not understand that the Messiah first had to suffer before he could enter into glory. Jesus Christ came to earth, was rejected by his people, and was crucified. He rose again and returned to heaven. Now, did this mean that God's promised kingdom for Israel was now abandoned? No, because God had initiated a new program, his mystery that was not explained by the Old Testament prophets. The mystery is that today God is uniting Jews and Gentiles in the church. And when the church is completed, then Jesus Christ will return and take his people to heaven. So what's the secret? That God has chosen to include Gentiles in his blessings of salvation. Through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the secret. Through Jesus Christ, He opens the door to everyone. All are included. And he comes to live within all who trust him. The Lord of creation dwells in us, the hope of glory. He responds to our invitation of faith. He comes to live within us. Who comes to live within us? Christ. Who is Christ? He is the image of the invisible God. God revealed to us, reaching out to us. He is the firstborn over all creation. By him all things were created. He is preeminent in creation because he is our creator. He is the head of the body of the church. He is the leader of the church, our guide, provider, protector throughout time and eternity. The moment you place your trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit baptizes you and brings you into the body of believers, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. We're going to rise from the dead to live eternally because he rose from the dead to live eternally. All God's fullness dwells in him. Fully God, fully man. 
Through Christ, God was pleased to reconcile to himself. He provided a path of reconciliation. He desires to have a relationship with us so much that he removed the barrier of our sin which caused separation so that we can have a relationship with Almighty, all-holy God. Anyone, everyone who comes. Now this news was a cause for great joy to the predominantly Gentile audience of that church in Colossae that Paul was writing to. They had been told they needed to find out some secret information, some secret knowledge to find God. And what he was telling here is that God has reached down to you to save you. God has reached down to us to save us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, Christ in you, the hope of glory is a, is a phrase I grew up hearing in church. And I have a suspicion I am going to be pursuing understanding that phrase for all of eternity. But I wanted to know what that meant more this week, and, and I was studying it. And I came across something that was written. Now, before I read to you from what was written, I want to remind you that Jesus said he was going to make all things new. That things are going to be like they were when they were new. Creation is going to be like it was when it was new, before the fall. John Corson wrote, the Hebrew word for glory is kabod, a word signifying weight or heaviness. Kabod is that which man has been craving ever since the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve enjoyed the visible, tangible presence of God as he walked with them in the cool of the day. It was the glory, the kabod, which clothed Adam and Eve before they rebelled against God by eating the forbidden fruit. The result of the rebellion was much more than physical nakedness. The result was the loss of the substance, the meaning, the heft, meaning weight, heaviness, significance of life. And so they took fig leaves and sewed them together to try to make up for the loss of the kabod. But Adam and Eve's fig leaves were no more effective than what people do today to try to fill their emptiness. People pursue relationships, houses, cars, boats, trips, but none provide the weight they crave, the significance they crave. It's all cotton candy. It looks good, but when they take a bite, they find nothing but air. Here's the hope of glory mankind has been craving since the garden. Jesus is going to make all things new. And the indwelling Christ gives believers of the certainty of this hope, that they are part of Christ's eternal kingdom. Verse 28, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And so here he switches from I to we so that he can include his co-workers, Epaphras and Tychicus. And not only are we the recipients, but we're also the communicators of the gospel. Paul wrote in Ephesians, God's intent was that through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. He wrote in Romans 10, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? His intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. It is the task of the church to make this mystery known warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And so it includes both warning and teaching. Warning is sometimes translated uh, admonishing. It connects with repentance because it refers to a person's conduct, what they do. And then teaching can be translated in instructing. 
because it's uh, connected to faith and doctrine, it refers to a person's mind and intellect. And, and Paul is referring here to both. Both need to be affected. Not only what we think, but how we act. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Our teacher each day, Monday through Friday, is Pastor Leighton Sheely. And the church is on the web at highlands.us. You can listen again to this entire message when you go to that website and just click on the link to the various media available through Church of the Highlands. Or you can go to our ministry website, which is studyversebyverse.com, and listen once again to this particular broadcast, which is just a portion of the message. Again, that's studyversebyverse.com. And of course, As are so many ministries on the radio, we are supported almost entirely by your contributions. And if you'd like to join with us in this outreach financially, you can do that very safely on the website studyversebyverse.com. I'm Mike Trout. Again, thank you for uh, being with us on this Thursday. We'll come back and wrap up the week with the conclusion of this message. Tomorrow at this same time as Pastor Layton once again opens the Word of God to the book of Colossians, and we study verse by verse.